Father, we just celebrate your greatness this morning. We thank you so much for how you love us, even when we're not lovely or even lovable. But you truly are great and you truly are good. You're great in your power and your strength. And you are good in your mercy and in your grace. And we worship you. We glorify your great name, King Jesus. We praise you. Father, I ask that you would do a mighty work in our hearts this morning. Lord, that as we come, Lord, that as we sit in your presence, Lord, we would truly recognize the presence of God, that we would not be oblivious. We would not be like Jacob's that said, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. Lord, we would recognize that you inhabit the praises of your people. And, and as we sit in your presence, Lord, when we surrender our will to you, we are changed and we are made new. Transformed. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would just surrender our all to you. Lord, rest in your presence and allow you to speak to our hearts. Lord Jesus, as you often said, he who has the ear to hear, let him hear. Lord, I pray you'd open up our ears this morning. We'll be listening to your spirit's whisper. But you don't often come with the, the mighty expressions of shaking the earth or burning the mountain, but uh, you often come in a still, small voice. And if we will quiet our soul like a child, as David said, I quieted my soul like a child. If we will do that, we will hear you. We'll recognize the great God of all creation who's spoken of nothing and everything came to be. Loves us so much that he laid his hands on us, formed us in his likeness. And even when we failed, Lord God, you redeemed us through the power of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it is in that name that we pray. In that name, we have access to the Holy God. Through the name of Jesus, we give you glory. Amen. Amen. So good to see you here this morning. Most of all, because it'd be kind of lonely without you. You know what I mean? So glad you're here. Uh, I, I uh, am starting today uh, kind of in a, in, a, in a theme that's going to be our theme for a season. And uh, here's kind of how this came to be. Uh, we did our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and uh, I always spend the last uh, few days, last year I spent three days just alone, uh, away from people, and just spent the week, the few days with the Lord. Well, this year I spent a week with the Lord, the last uh, 20, of my 21 days of fasting. I just spent that last week with the Lord. And, and uh, in that time, I went away to hear from God as to what he would have for me in our church. Last year, it was, it was a clear mission for us. As I came back and voiced the vision that God had given me, it's like immediately as I voiced it, everything began happening. Every, I mean, just immediately, I just read off the paper as God gave it to me. And as I did, all of a sudden, we saw God at work and, and doing those different things, like the very moment. And as I got along with the Lord this year, I, I was looking forward to it. And, and people asked me, so, so how, did you have fun? You know, so they, they want you to tell, what, what did you get? 
I want to know the goods. Give me the goods. But the question was, did you have fun? And uh, my answer was no, absolutely not. It was not fun. I went away thinking it would be fun, but it turned into a fight. I had to fight with my own stinking flesh what I, I wanted to do, what I wanted to get, what I wanted to, and I had to fight with my own flesh in order to quiet my soul like a child, as David said, I just prayed it, in order to truly hear from the Lord. But I heard, amen? And so uh, the Lord basically says this, the mission that I gave you last year has not changed. I'm giving you no new thing. What, what, what we, the vision that God gave our church is not just a one year vision. It was, that's the vision for our church. And, and that is that we, just in case you didn't know, uh, uh, I need to voice it from last year because many of you weren't here last year. Uh, here, here's what our church is to be a part of. We address everything that attacks the family. We are a family church that, that, that wants to build up the family. We are we are insanely crazy and obsessed with uh, reaching the next generation. That's why they sit up here in the front row. We, we, we don't ask them to, they do that on their own, but they know at this church, they are highly valued in this house. We are obsessed with reaching the next generation, but we're all about the family. And so the Lord laid it out for me last year. You will address abortion, abuse, and abandonment. And as soon as I voiced it, all of a sudden it took off in our city. It took off in our city and through our people. And, and now all three of those have been addressed by our church and continues to grow and make impact. And God says, I'm not giving you any new mission. It's the same. But here's what he has for us. You need to get healthy. You need to get healthy. And I know that first thing we think is, oh, no, I need a diet and exercise. Oh, gosh. No, uh, that's, that's not at all, because here's what the scripture says. Uh, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. And so me as an, individually, as an individual, I need to be healthy in my spirit. And, and we as individuals need to be spiritually healthy. And then we as a church will be spiritually healthy. And here's, here's why I, I don't think that it's because, and here's the people have been saying this, oh, just get ready. What God's doing there with your church, Satan hates it and he's going to attack. I hear this a lot. And here's what I say. I don't receive that. Amen. I, I don't, don't, don't speak that over us. Uh, I have a God who's greater. Amen. Oh yeah. He may try, but we know how to go to fighting. We know how to fight around here, by the way, we know how to fight in this church. And we know spiritual warfare. And yes, here's how Satan, here's oftentimes it's not the attacks from the outside that are so obvious. It's the subtleties on the inside. And here's, here's what Chuck Swindoll, said, I have been a success and I have been a failure. It was much easier being a failure. So that's the truth. You know, if we're going to be healthy, that's where we really have to be healthy is that when, here's how he said it to the nation of Israel, when he brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land, he says, when I give you houses that you didn't build, when I give you food that you didn't plant, when I, when I pour out on you the blessings from heaven and prosper you, don't you forget about me. That's the real danger right there is, oh, he blessed us so much that now we don't need God anymore. 
And I know people right now that should be in this house but ain't in this house because God blessed them so much that now they don't need God anymore. Oh, they came crying out to God when they were flat busted and broken and, and beaten up and, and beat down. They came crying out to God wanting God to fix them. And now that he has, they don't need him anymore. That's the most dangerous part. It's not the t attacks that, oh, you know, my junk broke and I lost my job. No, that's, that's, that's when people really call out to God. It's when, oh, the, the finances are good and the, the car runs and, the, and uh, the wife ain't mad at me and for this moment. But anyway, uh, all those things, now everything's good. I, I'm going to go on about my way. I'll call on you, God, when I need you. Boy, we shouldn't treat God. We, you know, we would never say it, but I see it all the time. And so, uh, let me get off your case for a second and uh, get back to where the Lord has led us for today. How am I to be spiritually healthy? And I'm going to give you the secret. I'm going to give you the secret today. Y'all ready for the secret? Anybody ever, I mean, when you hear somebody say, I got the secret to, you know, with this or that and the other, everybody all of a sudden your ears perk up. Well, I got the secret today. I'm going to share with you the secret. But uh, here's the thing. Us guys... Sometimes there's things that when they are said, we just don't like them. There are phrases that when somebody says these phrases, I just kind of, it just turns me off. I just want to shy away when they say, how does that make you feel? <laughs> don't ask me that. Don't ask me about my feelings. I don't want to talk about my feelings. How does that make you feel? Make me feel kind of icky when you ask me about my feelings. <laughs> what's your greatest I get this questionnaire all the time what's your greatest weakness uh, none that I'm telling you about you know and so, so we have some things that, that us guys shy away from and, 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 and that's, here's a word that's coming today and it's one of those words that we normally don't like I mean our initial response is negative and that is this word it's the secret intimacy Sometimes for me, that gives me, that's kind of like saying, how does that make you feel? Well, I don't necessarily want to be in touch with my feelings and necessarily share them with you. But the fact of the matter is, that's the, that's the secret. Intimacy. Here's what uh, the enemies, there's three enemies for the Christian. And, and you need, I mean, you need to know these enemies. And, you know, I think you do know one of them uh, very clearly. We, call, we talk about him all the time, uh, and that is the devil. He's real, and he is your enemy. He hates your guts, and he wants to see you and your family uh, crash and burn. And he's for real. And, uh, and, and so that's obvious, you know, that he's the enemy. But here's the other enemy, the world. And when we talk about the world, it is that, that network of evil schemes that wants to undermine the glory of God. It's under the sway of the devil. That's what the Bible calls the world. And, 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 and so we have the devil and the world. And, and here's the third one. And this is the one that really stinks because it's an inside job. And that's our own flesh. And our own flesh in neutral sways the way of the world and the devil. And so we need to understand that when we talk about uh, these terms. And so when we talk about intimacy, uh, uh, we need to know that there's something that the devil and the world and even our own flesh wants to do with that phrase, with that term, with that word. It wants to prevent it and pervert it. When, you, when I just spring the word intimacy, it used to do this to me. When I just spring the word intimacy on you, what is the first thing you think? Sexual. Yeah. 
physical. And, and, and sometimes it's like, I don't really want to talk about that. You know, that's kind of secret stuff. That's kind of, you know, that, we don't want to talk about that. And so here's what Satan wants to do. We want to prevent intimacy, true intimacy. Or if we can't prevent it, let's pervert it. Why? Because intimacy is the secret. It's the secret of a true relationship with God. It's a secret of a true relationship. Not, all we want to think about is the surface level, the physical. But God says, no, 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 deeper, real intimacy. It's a secret of a relationship between a husband and a wife, not the physical. Let me just, let me help clarify this. You are a three-part person. Here's how Satan prevents and perverts intimacy. As a three-part person, you have a body, you are a soul, and you're a spiritual being, and yet spiritually dead until Jesus Christ brings you back to life, called being born again, being saved, regenerated. And so as a three-part person, you have a body which consists of your, your taste, touch, sight, smell, and sound. That's those five senses. That's what you have. That will die one day and you still exist, by the way, because you have a soul. You are a soul. Your soul is your intellect, your mind, your heart, your emotions and passions, and your will. And you have a will. And your will will choose, are you going to live by the flesh or are you going to live by the spirit? Now, if I choose to live by the flesh, it is contrary to the spirit. And in neutral, my life will go the way of the flesh, which is under the sway of the devil. And in the world just harmonizes right along with my flesh. Y'all follow me? See, this was all new to me. I was in ministry for several years before I even understood this stuff. But it has brought things to light when I understood it. You are a three-part person. And if you're not living spiritually, your, your, your body, your physical being, it is the center of world consciousness. Because I touch that, I know it exists. I feel it. Because I... I hear it, I can see it, I recognize that exists. Your soul is the center of self-consciousness. There was some dude way back yonder said, I think, therefore I am. Y'all know that guy? I don't know who he is, but it, the fact that I can think helps me know that I exist. That's my soul. Y'all got real quiet up in here. I got, I got all collegiate on you and you didn't shut down on me. Center of world consciousness over here in the body. Center of self-consciousness right here in the soul, mind, intellect, and will. Mind, emotions, and will. Center of God consciousness, the spirit. When you are spiritually dead, you cannot even sense that there is a God. Your eyes can tell you that there's a God. Your mind should recognize that there's a God. That stuff didn't create itself in spite of what some egghead thinks. God created it. God created it. The scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 1 that creation itself, itself testifies that there is a God. You have a spirit within you. The soul itself testifies that there is a God. But until you have been born spiritually, you don't know him. You can't hear him. You can't sense him. And so here's how. Here is where true intimacy is in the spirit. You following me? Here's what we often trade it for, and it's a horrible substitute. I'm going to do a bunch of stuff for God. I'm going to show up at church. I'm going to even sing. I'm going to even worship. I will even tithe. I'm going to do a bunch of things. And doing is absolutely essential to being fulfilled and satisfied. But if it is a replacement for true intimacy, it's a horrible substitute. And what happens is Christians who are only doers, doers, 
but aren't truly beers, who, who aren't truly, it, it's not an expression of love, it's actually a spre- an expression of duty and I have to. That, that, that leads you as a Christian to being dissatisfied and eventually, well, I tried that church thing, I tried that Jesus thing and I, I, it didn't work out for me. I'm going back to the old ways. Here's what the scripture says. It's a fool who returns to, here's what, how does he say? As a dog returns to his vomit as a man who turns, the fool that returns to his old ways. What happened? Well, he tried it on the surface level and never did it on the deep spiritual level. And so therefore it left me dissatisfied. It always will. It always will. Here's how Satan, and when we talk about that intimacy and how uh, he wants to keep it on the surface level, he wants to prevent true intimacy or pervert true intimacy in a husband and wife relationship, or let me back up, in a man and woman relationship, God has a perfect, infallible uh, scenario for physical intimacy. It is in the covenant of marriage where there is first spiritual intimacy. But if we stop short and we short circuit God's plan for humanity and we go straight to the physical, and this is why God has a lot of rules about this, and and we go straight to the physical, it's not because God don't want you to enjoy things. It's because God wants to preserve you and help you because he has created it perfectly. And if we go straight to the physical and bypass the spiritual and the soul relationship between a husband and wife, where it's supposed to be in the confines of a promise of faithfulness and love, y'all following me? What happens is we short circuit the relationship. And I've known people, I know so many people, who the, the initial firing of all of those feelings on a physical relationship, uh, man, early on, it is so addictive, the, the, the feeling of being in love, and it goes straight to the physical, and guess what? It don't take long before that physical feeling begins to kind of, eh, it becomes old. It becomes normal. It becomes usual. I remember those days when I fell in love. I think I want to do that again. We short circuit a relationship because now we're going back to some other physical new thing. Are you following me? It, it, this is what happens in a relationship with a Christian who, 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 who short circuits the relationship with God and fails to understand intimacy with God. See, us guys, we don't really like to use that word intimacy. It has all kind of weird, sometimes it's a perverted thought. Sometimes it's, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't want to talk about emotions. And so we, we will shy away from that word. But here's the truth of the matter. As a Christian, it is the secret to success. <laughs> the, the peace of God is found in the presence of God. The power of God for a changed life. Here's what we want to do. I, I want to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to try a new thing. Maybe this fasting will fix my addiction. Maybe this, uh, and we start trying to do things. Maybe I need to start diet and exercise. If I get physically healthy, maybe it will bleed over into my spiritual health. Now, there, here's what Jesus said. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. If I, if I get spiritually healthy, there's things that I ain't going to want to do to my body anymore. Right. You see where I'm going with all this? I, I guess I should get to the scripture. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. David, I love David. David was one not afraid with intimacy. 
Some bad, some good. Y'all know, y'all know David. Some of y'all don't know David, apparently. <laughs> David messed around. David, he was a player. All right, so David knew physical intimacy on a bad thing, and it cost him spiritual intimacy. And he got so messed up when he short-circuited relationships. When he went surface level only and went the physical, skipped what God's plan, that in Psalm 51, I'm actually not going to Psalm 51, I'm going to Psalm 139. But in Psalm 51, David spends an entire chapter of the Bible crying out to God saying, wash me of this guilt, cleanse me, purge me, restore a right spirit within me. A right what? Spirit. And so he says, man, I short-circuited everything and I messed it all up because I got over here in, in the flesh stuff. And God, I want you to bring me back over here in the true intimacy with you because that messed it all up over there. So Psalm 139 is where we're going. And David understood intimacy with God and I got to get to running here. And so uh, I need a little light right here on the book. Anybody back here in the booth? Luke. Turn my lights on. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Listen to David. David was one who, he wasn't afraid to get intimate with God. David would tell God exactly how he felt, what he thought. And sometimes we would look at this and say, David, you, you're treading on some dangerous ground, son. Such as Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you just thought that was Jesus saying it from the cross. Jesus was quoting David all the way back when David was expressing how he felt. Why have you walked away from me, God? I don't deserve this. Why is it that you've left me to be defeated by my enemies? He starts crying out and expressing his feelings. And, and, and there's one psalm, I love this. I uh, can't remember which one it is. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why, why am I so depressed? My what? My soul. My thinking, my feeling, my will. Why am I so depressed? Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. And then he starts talking to himself. <laughs> I love when David starts talking to himself because we can learn a lot from David. He said, why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Put your hope in God. And by the end of that psalm, all of a sudden, David don't sound depressed anymore. All of a sudden, David says, man, I put my trust in God and he has lifted me up and set my feet on a rock. Amen. All right, let me get back to the verse. Psalm 139, David says, Oh Lord, you have searched me. You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down are acquainted with my ways. Look at verse 4. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. He said, I'm covered by you, God. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Look, drop down to verse 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame is not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. What's he saying? God, before I was me, you knew me. Before I was even uh, cells coming together, you knew me because you're infinite wisdom. And, and, and look what, how, let me just ask you this before I go to the next step. How do you think God feels about you? This will determine everything. I'm telling you, just start right there. Let's just, let's just marinate on that for a second. How do you feel? I said think, but let's hang on feel. How do you feel that God feels about you. Why don't I change it from think to feel? Because what you feel is really what you believe. You say, well, I know this, but I feel this. Well, just hang on to the feeling. Us guys, we don't want to talk about our feelings. But what you feel is really what you believe. How do I change my feelings? Change my thinking. Got See, a thought repeated over and over becomes a belief. A belief repeated over and over will turn into an action. An action repeated over and over will become a habit. And a habit repeated over and over will become a lifestyle. Good or bad. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Can I go back through it all again so maybe you can catch this? If you ain't catching it, Mackie's taking notes. You can come ask Mackie. A thought repeated over and over becomes a belief. A belief repeated over and over becomes an action. You will do it. You believe it. If I believe that that is going to bring me fulfillment, here's how it starts. Let's just, let's just use, let's just do it this way. I think that that would be pleasure, pleasurable. I think I would like that. If I think long enough on that, pretty sure I believe that that would be fun for me. That would be pleasurable. Now you could be thinking bad right now. You could be thinking good right now. How you think kind of determines where you think. I think that would be pleasurable. In, in fact, I've thought on it long enough. I believe it would be. Guess what? If you believe it long enough, you'll do it. And if you do it enough, it will become a habit. And if that habit is repeated and repeated and repeated, it becomes a lifestyle. Now that could be, I think that this relationship with God, I think God would be a good thing in my life. I, I, think, I think I'm going to go check out this God stuff. I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I think I will. I think I'm going to look into this God business. No, I've come and I've heard more about God. I believe that he is good. I believe that he is good. And I, I just believe that God really does love me. And so therefore I'm going to, I'm going to hold to that. And, and I'm just going to keep believing that. And if so, guess what? If you just keep believing that you're going to walk into it, you're going to step into the action of, I'm going to start trusting in God because I understand he's good. And now it becomes a lifestyle. Do you hear, see where I'm going with this? David has a lifestyle of intimacy with God. Verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous all your works and that my soul knows very well. Look at verse 17. How do you feel that God feels about you? Here's how David felt. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O oh God. 
If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. You, you, see, you see, here's the, here's the secret to the secret. How you think or feel that God feels about you. When Adam and Eve sinned, how did they then feel that God felt about them? Oh, he's now mad at us. What did they do? They ran from him and hid. You see the difference? You see, but if I think that God is truly good and that he loves me and that, that, that the nearness of my God is my good, as it says in the scriptures, then I will want to be intimate with him in his presence. And it won't become a religious checklist. Do you hear me? Because many of us have our religious checklist. Well, I need to go to church on Sunday and I need to be a part of this and I need to do that. And I, and I need to, I have to have my daily quiet time. I will do my Bible reading check. I will do my prayer time check. I will give my list of wants and wishes to God just as if he's Santa Claus check. And then I'll just go down the list and fail to get intimate with God. The title of this sermon and the next several is, is this, the powerful practices of the saved and satisfied. If you ain't satisfied in your salvation, I can guarantee you this one thing, you're not intimate with God. You're not intimate with God because it's in his presence that we truly begin to understand his goodness. We truly begin to understand his peace, his power. All of that is found in the intimate relationship with God. And so here's the thing that you must understand that it's, it's this, that you are highly valued by God. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you feel. You see that all that icky, junky feeling? Ooh, how you feel? How you feel about that? How does that make you feel? I don't care how you feel because Satan will fool you with your feelings. But the scripture says, the truth of God's word says that you are highly valued by God. Amen. However you feel, get your feelings in line with the truth. Amen. So... Uh, well, I don't feel that way. We'll continue to read the truth. Begin to think as the scripture says, truth will set you free. Amen. You're highly valued by God. Guess what else? You are deeply loved by God. Jesus said in, 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 in John chapter 17, verse 35, it blew my mind. And when I finally read it in a translation that said it so clear, he is, Jesus is praying to God, the father, and he's praising and says, Lord, I thank you that the world's come to know you and that you love them. Jesus is praying this. You love them as much as you love me. Jesus said that he said that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Jack me up. I had to come back and read it and read it and read it. Wait, I, I, that, ain't, that, ain't, that can't be what that says. I know me. He can't love me as much as he loved Jesus. I'm sinful. Jesus was sinless. He cannot love me the way he loved Jesus. I read it again and Jesus says, I thank you, God. Read it for yourself. John 17, 35. If it ain't clear in your translation, get another translation. Jesus thanked God that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. You're highly valued, deeply loved. And here's the other thing. You're fully accepted. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are the accepted in the beloved. You don't have to run from God. You can run to God because he wants to have that intimate time with you. Amen. I don't care what some hellfire brimstone preacher who loves to preach critical negativity garbage. I don't care what they say. That's what the scripture says. 
Amen. You, you keep letting Satan fool you with your feelings and you'll continue to be an unsatisfied saint. You'll just continue to linger out there in the outside or maybe touch the surface because Satan wants to keep you uh, from intimacy. He'll either prevent it or he'll pervert it. And there's much perversion of intimacy with God coming from many pulpits today. He'll love you if. He'll love you if is a perversion of the truth. Do you hear me? I know I'm preaching hard, but I'm telling you, this is the truth of God's word. We must start here at the core. Your spirit changes, everything changes. You get intimate with God and spend time in his presence, everything else changes. Now, I, uh, I got to shut it down now. I got to quit preaching. But I want to tell you something. If you get this, you got it all. You don't have to work to become a good Christian. It flows naturally out of intimacy with God. If you just start doing the works without having the intimacy, you'll have a surface level relationship that will not satisfy you. And pretty soon you'll wear out and burn out and be tired of this Christianity business. And you don't want to come to church anymore because you don't see the power of God in your life. And you, he ain't changing anything in you. Why? Because you're so surface level. But if you just focus on that one thing, God, I want to spend time in your presence. Here, here's, I, I spent too much time talking about the principles and I need to help you understand the practices. Here's the, here's the thing. It must first start with a relationship with God the Father. There's this awesome word called solitude. You need to get alone with God. When Jesus was getting alone with God, the disciples saw the difference that he came back. He came back changed and his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, don't stand in the synagogues like the hypocrites do, babbling on with many words. Your father already knows what you want before you say it. Find the secret place. He said, get in a closet. Get in a secret place. We call it solitude. Get alone with God. And then pray like this. Father, do you hear me? You, how did he? Let me tell you something. He was very rarely known in the Old Testament as Father. He, awesome names for God. He was the God who sees my banner, the God who's the healer, the God Almighty, uh, El Shaddai, uh, Elohim, Adonai, all of these awesome names for God. But one thing that he wasn't called very much was Father, and that's the only thing Jesus called him. And he told his disciples, here's what you need to do. You need to see God as a loving Father. And you see him as a loving father. Now, you may have had a garbage relationship with your father. It may have been trashy, horrible, abusive. It may have been absent altogether. And you can't even stand the thought of God as father. I want to tell you something. He is a good father. He is a good father. And Jesus said, when you recognize, see, here's the thing. You wouldn't even know what was a bad father unless you had thought of what is a good father. Because you're comparing your father with a good father. But I want to tell you something. Jesus said, I need you to see God as father, as a good father. And he tells them how to pray. So, number one, you have to have a relationship with God. That comes through relationship through Jesus Christ. He went to the cross in order to wash away your sins that you might have a relationship with God, the Father. Number two, you need to have a first relationship with God as father. Number two, ownership with your own feelings. Do you hear me? Men, I don't like talking about my feelings. Make me feel all icky. You need to have ownership of your own feelings. God, I feel like you forgot me here. 
God, I see other people getting their healings. Why ain't I got my healing? God, I see you restoring their marriage, but why is my marriage garbage? That's fine. Get on, get, have ownership of your own feelings. You say, well, I can't say those things. God might kill me. Uh, would a good father do that? A good and loving father who loves you deeply, values you highly, and accepts you fully? You see, Satan fools you with your feelings, and he wants to keep you out of intimacy with God. But every, all the secrets of God are in the secret place with God. Amen? That's where it's found. And so, y'all need to help me preach this morning. I'll shut up if you will help me, and if you'll talk back to me. But that's the key, is to have that relationship with God as Father, but also have ownership with your own feelings. God, I feel like you forgot me here. Well, I'm glad you finally said it. Now that you feel that way, can we, here's how God works. He says, now that you've expressed how you really feel, can we work through that? Instead of just covering over it with surface and staying up here on surface level garbage, when I really wanted to get down here to the intimate level with you. Number three, fellowship with him, it's relationship with God as father, uh, ownership of your own feelings. And then three, fellowship with him and openness and closeness. Well, I don't want to get too close to God. He's holy and I'm not. That's not what the scripture says. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are the righteousness of God. You have been seated with him in the heavenly places. You, you, are, to, you are called to have a closeness with him. It's the secret. It's everything. We start there, we'll start building upon those practices. Amen? So I want you to go home this week, and I want you to start building upon those practices. I'm going to get in a secret and quiet place. Praise team, y'all come on up. I'm going to get in a secret and a quiet place. And here's the thing. It's not a devotional time. It's a devoted time. You can't rush in and spend two minutes and reading some little devotional. Ooh, I got me a little tidbit for today. Going about your way. It's going to be a Jesus day today. I got me a little tidbit. I got me a little devotion. No, it needs to be a devoted time. Shut up. Mama told me not to say that, but I just said it. She's in Sunday school right now. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to sit in his presence. The verse that he just gave me over and over and over and over. Psalm 4610, be still. He has to tell me like an like ADD kid, be still. Be still. He says, verse 46, I mean, verse 10, chapter 46. Be still and know that I am God. Would you be still? Would you just sit in my presence? Would you just grow comfortable with intimacy with God? Don't rush in. Here's the other thing. I'm going to close it with this. I promise. They're up here. You can go ahead and play a little bit of something. Y'all just feeling awkward standing there. It is not just quality time with the Lord. It is quantity time with the Lord. Don't just rush in and get you a little devotional thought, a little refrigerator magnet thought and run on about your day. Thank you. God's going to bless that. You didn't have an intimate time with the Lord. You need to spend quantity time, much time in his presence. Rest in his presence. Rest in his grace, his acceptance of you. Rest in that. Here's what you can't do. You can't rush rest. You can't do it. 
You need to rest in his presence and say, God, I thank you that you love me because I don't sometimes. I thank you that you accept me because I find myself intolerable sometimes. Just spend that intimate time with the Lord. Much time in his presence. And it may not be a word come out. But let him sort through all that. It's the secret to everything. Father God, thank you that you love us so much. That in Christ Jesus, we are the accepted and the beloved. In Christ Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. You love us. You're a good father. You don't love us if... When we come to relationship through salvation, you love us as a, God, as, a, as a father. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to learn intimacy. Help us to learn intimacy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to have an invitation time. The altar's open. Our prayer team at the front corners. I want to tell you something, guys, uh, gals get this better than we do. Be honest with you. Unless they have been abused. Unless they don't like feeling their own emotions. Us guys, we're just naturally lousy at it for the most part. That's why God has to tell a husband to have affection towards his wife. He's like, hey, this is supposed to get lower, uh, more than just surface level physical contact. You may have to allow God to teach you how to be intimate. It might take some time, but it's worth every bit of it. How do I get God to teach me how to be intimate with him? Sit in his presence and rest in his acceptance and his love. The altar's open. You come forward as we worship. Do business with the Lord. <laughs>